you know, I didn't feel like um, I was an outcast. I just felt like I can just be, I wasn't being judged and I could be a weirdo if I wanted to. And that's, that's all right. That was musician Irene Espiritu. I'm Jeff. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. As we begin our second full week of shelter-in-place here in California, we hope that you and your loved ones are able to stay healthy and safe, and to find some sense of normalcy amid the chaos. We're having a sale on our Love Letters to the City posters, with all proceeds going to our friend, artist, and designer of the poster, Lil Tuffy. Go to the store page on our website for more info. In this podcast, Irene talks about moving from the Philippines to the East Coast as a young girl. She faced significant culture shock upon arrival, but soon found her groove. She moved to the West Coast as a teenager, eventually migrating up the peninsula from Milpitas to San Francisco, where she later started going to open mics and was inspired to start playing music on her own. Here's Irene. Well, I was born in the Philippines, uh, in Quezon City, and then we lived in Manila. And then um, when I turned 10, we moved to Dumont, New Jersey, oh, wow. in this little town uh, where there were maybe two, three other Asian families and two uh, Filipino families. Okay. And then I, I lived there for two years. We lived with my aunt. And then my parents kind of, we stayed there till they found, you know, my parents found their own place uh, in Yonkers, New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, uh, I moved for high school to California, in Milpitas High School. With your family? Uh, No, I moved in on my own with my aunt, which is a whole nother story. Okay. So. (laughs) Well, 10 years old, I mean, you, that's definitely old enough to form some memories in the Philippines. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your life in the Philippines? Sure. Um, (laughs) A brief in hindsight, but I'm I'm sure like when you're a 10 year old kid, that's forever. Yeah. That's your whole life. That's my whole life. Well, when I was there, um, I just remember they, somehow they taught me English first (laughs) And so uh, when I went to uh, nursery school, the kids all talked in Tagalog, and I just felt out of place. Mm. And it was quite traumatic, actually. I, I felt like my own, my memory of that time is I just felt like my only friend was the teacher, mm. and I would just look forward to going to, going uh, to take naps because right. <laughs> it was like oh. a break from everything. Right. But then come. Uh, kindergarten, you know, as a child, you learn so fast. Right. So I, I learned how to speak Tagalog, and um, and so I was a lot more comfortable then. Mm-hmm. Um, was your you say your family was teaching you English? Yes, they taught me English first, and don't ask me why. Hmm. But <laughs> so but the, anyway, so, so at home, you guys spoke English. Yeah, but um, I but you know I could I could still understand that we spoke Tagalog and Ilocano. And I could understand, but speaking was a lot harder. Right. But um, but I watched American shows like you know Sigmund the Sea Monster. Oh, and do you remember H- Sigmund the Sea Monster? Of course, oh and Marty Croft, H.R. Puffin stuff. Yes, H.R. Puffin stuff. Oh, I love that stuff. <laughs> and um, the Boogaloo's. The Boogaloo's. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Going. Wow, you have more memory than I do of that time. <laughs> of that stuff, not of today. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Right. That's true. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I came to the U.S. in Dumont, and because. I remember another trauma that uh, the kids didn't know what I was. They'd never seen uh, in my class another Filipina person. And mm-hmm. so 
they would ask me, you know, what are you? You don't look Chinese. You don't look, you know, Puerto Rican. And right. so I, w- I was having an identity crisis because yeah. like, what the hell? You know, you and don't you're even like <laughs> 11. <laughs> yeah. Or just ten, ten I just turned 10 like, when we oh, moved here. Man. So, uh, you know, it was frustrating because I felt like I was like nobody knew what I was and they'd never heard of the Philippines before. Of course, now there's a huge Filipino community there. Okay. Yeah. So, but back, but back then uh, in the what, 80s, Okay. 1980 was when uh, we moved up here, okay. there. Uh, it was, you know, it was still like, what are you? So yeah. then we moved to Yonkers, New York, and there was a lot more diversity there. Okay. Um, in where Dumont, is, sorry, where is Yonkers in relation to New York City? Uh, Yonkers is north, so it's Manhattan and then the Bronx and then Yonkers. It's the next I think. thing outside <laughs> of New while. York City yeah. proper. Is, yeah. Okay, that's why that's yeah. my memory of it. I just wasn't sure. Yeah, and uh, in Yonkers there was a lot more diversity. In Dumont, it was just a small community of mostly, you know, Caucasian community. But in Yonkers, there was there were Puerto Ricans, Ecuadorians, and you know African Americans, and so um, and also more Asians in that area. So there was a lot more color per se, and um, I felt a little bit more comfortable there. But then um, you know my parents got a divorce, and uh, you know my dad left, and uh, so it was just my mom supporting my brother and I, and wow. she had like three jobs. You know it was crazy, right, right. crazy schedule. So on the weekends we would go to my grandparents. She would. My par- grandparents lived in Manhattan, oh. and so on the Friday she would pick us up from school, drive us to my grandparents, and then go to work. Wow! And work twelve-hour shifts. And she now you're crazy. like, <laughs> you're like, she's crazy, but you. I mean, I'd say you benefited. Absolutely. From that. How yeah. old were you at this time? Like, so I was. Uh, let's see, maybe like thirteen. Oh wow! Thirteen, fourteen. Hanging out on weekends in Manhattan. <laughs> well, my memory of Manhattan is basically my grand my grandparents taking us out for New York pizza, and that. I mean, you go into this little yes, you know pizza shop, and it was like a pizza slice was like a, a buck twenty five, yeah. and I would get my you know dripping oil, delicious. I just needed a cheese pizza. That's all you need, That's and really you fold you it up, and then you just it's piping hot and you burn your tongue but it's so much Doesn't worth matter. all the juices falling out of the slice totally <laughs> plain slice and don't dab it with a napkin don't get dab out it. of here dabbing it with a napkin that's right you want us to know you're not from here that's right that was my that was my every friday that was our treat is the wow. pizza and we just hang out with my grandparents and then on Sunday, they take us to church, you know, we go to church and then my, my mom would come pick us up in the afternoon and we'd have Chinese food. Fun. Yeah. So you said you were saying we, I'm guessing you have some siblings? So I have one brother okay. and we're five years apart, but okay. I actually, it feels like he's older than I am. He is younger? <laughs> he's, he's five years younger, okay. but he, I feel like he's my big brother. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So okay. he's actually, so he lives here in San Francisco. Oh, okay. In Gun Park. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. And then, and then I, I, I remember when I decided I wanted to come to California. It was after middle school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was either I felt bad that my mom worked so many hours in her three jobs. And so I thought, well, I heard my aunt lived in Milpitas and she told me there's free education, you know, public schools and it's uh, good education. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hmm, maybe I should move to California. And Had you visited at that point? Yeah, I would, we would come visit her in the summertime. Okay. So I was already familiar. And um, I remember it was 
9.30 at night or something. I was waiting for the bus in Yonkers, freezing ass cold. And the, you know, those LCDs that go around on top of banks, tell you what time it is. Oh, and right. Temperature. Yes. I would, I would watch the time because I've been waiting for the bus to go home. And it was 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30. And it would be like, where's this bus? And it was minus 10 degrees. I was freezing <laughs> as cold. I thought, Cannot it's, comprehend. it's time to go to California. That'll do it. So yeah. I told my mom, I said, I want to go to California. You know, it's free, you know, public education. It is pr- pretty good school mm-hmm. for high school. Um, or That or stay in Yonkers. And my mom would have to pay for private school. Or, you know, I wasn't sure how the public sy- school system was in the area. Mm-hmm. So she was very supportive, mm-hmm. and she said, "Are you sure you want to do this?" And I said, "Yep." And you know, talked to my aunt, and you know, she was very open to it, and she was very her, uh, her family were very generous. Her, uh, my aunt and uncle, and so I lived with them for high school. Did you have cousins there? Uh, so uh, they had kids. They had a toddler and a newborn. Oh, so I actually babies. baby. So I actually. Ended up, you know, babysitting them. Sure. And I mean, I, I think like, I grew, grew up pretty fast yeah. because I babysat them and, you know, I helped around the house mm-hmm. and, you know, I was the rice cooker and the dishwasher and I would vacuum and I had my own phone line in my bedroom. So that was my first paying bills at, ah. at 14. <laughs> well, hey, but you're earn- on the flip side, it's like you're doing all that work. You're, <laughs> right, you're earning that's it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But they were very generous and supportive. And so... Um, so yeah, so I did that. That was a high school. Like what were your impressions at, at first, obviously of, of California through via Milpitas? Um, the only memory I had was just visiting my family here, you know, my, my aunt and uncle and the cousins and, um, I love the weather mm-hmm. and, um, Did it feel like a dramatically different world from the East Coast? I didn't, or? I, now that I, now that I look back, I, I think so. Yes. At the time, I just, you know, was in search for something better than... And warmer. And warmer than my situation. And, you know, it was also a hard time. My parents got a divorce. And it was... I felt so bad seeing my mom work three jobs, you know, uh, to support my brother and I. So that was really hard for me. And uh, so a combination of that and the weather and, and it just... It just didn't feel like, you know home home mm-hmm. I just needed to I wanted to search for something else okay and so I can this is you're you're like 14 15 you said yeah yeah okay, so already that that feeling of looking for a home yeah and later in life I learned about um, the third culture mm-hmm. uh, well actually at San Francisco State um, I go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs> I uh, I took this class called intercultural communications, okay. which really changed my life. Mm-hmm. I have to say, and uh, this I, I think if this guy didn't pass away, I would have taken on the uh, a degree in that field. Oh wow! Okay. But uh, it, he had the in the class he brought uh, this tribe in, a fictional tribe, and he just created this scenario and where he says, um, you know. It was a two guys stand standing, and uh, the women were on their knees, and uh, so after they just stood there for a while, quiet. And then after they left, he said, "Okay, what were your impressions?" And most of us said, "Well, the women were worshiping the men because they were on the ground, mm-hmm. and the men were, you know, just, you know, the 
the whatever the higher power the rulers the rulers and uh and then later on, he says, well, actually, I don't even know if it was a fictional or a true tribe. Uh, the women are higher, re- uh, higher regarded than the men. And they're on the ground because the, the community feels like they're more connected to earth. Wow. And, uh, and the men are, you know, uh, are serving the women. And I was just blown away. And, you know, as, as an immigrant, I always feel like I get misunderstood. And so that resonated with me. And um, seeing that uh, another culture's uh, norms are open to interpretation. Yes. And we often make assumptions. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and I think it's human nature to to make assumptions and be judgmental. But to what capacity do we do we make ourselves? Right. So anyway, fast forward to today, um, it, which is what brought me to my project, Color Coded Symphony. I definitely do want to talk about um, either your very first time to come to San Francisco, sure, or or you know if you don't remember that specific time, just kind of kind of your first early impressions. Um, I'm guessing you were a teenager. Yes, I was yeah. 14, yeah. and to be honest, I didn't want to come to San Francisco oh. because coming from New York, I thought I don't want to be in another big. C- I didn't know anything about San Francisco. Okay. I said I don't want to be in an in another big city with the dirty streets and the blah blah blah. Don't get me wrong, I love New York, but I didn't. I didn't want to be in another place like that. Mm-hmm. So the other place that I applied for college is UC Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. but I didn't get my admission until later on. I already accepted SF State. Okay. So I thought well, I'll just go to SF State. You know what the heck? Okay. I absolutely thought it was the best decision that I made because <laughs> as soon as I got here, I just felt like you can be who you want to be. You know, I didn't feel like um, I was an outcast. I just felt like I can just be, I wasn't being judged and I could be a weirdo if I wanted to. And that's, that's all right. And as your earlier story kind of illustrates at SF State, no matter what major, no matter how long you're there, you learn, you're kind of forced to learn and about and appreciate other cultures. Yes. Yeah. You're just immersed in it. Yeah. And so I, I, I feel so lucky that I ended up here. Mm-hmm. So SF State was kind of your first big br- brush or like, what, did you, did you live up here? Or yeah, I lived up here. Okay. So I lived here for since uh, from college up until 2000. Okay. So I lived here for about 12 years. Where about? Uh, I lived in mostly in the inner sunset, mm-hmm. uh, a few pla- a few apartments in that area, mm-hmm. and then from there I moved to outer uh, Noe, mm-hmm. and then from outer Noe, um, I think it was during the dot com era, and I just, you know, I was I was feeling really, you know, uh, you know, all the mom and pops are, sh- you know, closing, and what is going on here? I mean, look at wh- where we are today. But anyway, that's another conversation, um, and. So I thought, and I want to live by myself. I think I'm tired of living with roommates. Uh, it's time I want to live by myself. And so I was looking around Oakland, and that's when I moved to Oakland. Okay. So um, and I never thought I'd leave San Francisco. It was like, I remember the feeling of leaving. I knew it was the right thing for me at the time, but the feeling was, I felt like I was getting a divorce. Mm. Because I never thought I would leave. I never, ever thought I would leave. I thought I was in the most perfect place, you know, in the world. After a while of searching, also, yeah, you had found something. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, this was my town. I could walk anywhere. I felt safe, you know. Even in the tenderloin, I felt fine. And, you know, this was... 
this was my town. So yeah. that initial feeling when you when you did move to Milpitas of I'm good on San Francisco I I, I don't need cities in my life yes y- you later kind of oh, I guess overcame yes I that. did when you when you really started probably I, lear- what, learning what the city was yes and I realized this is not New York this is far different from New York I mean I I appreciate New York and I love to visit but. This is a whole new different city. <laughs> Feel free to expound on that as little or much as you want to. because this, this is right in my wheelhouse. I mean, li- living here for 12 years, I mean, you can turn a corner and find something that you've never even seen before. You, there's always something new to discover. And uh, before the, the time of Yelp and uh, whatever other, you know, Google, re- whatever, um, my friends and I would always look for new restaurants and um, we would grab a business card and we would rate it. And, you know, we would make, you know, notes on the business cards, you know, what did you think of it? What's your review? And then, you know, we'd, and then we would find out one would close again. And then we'd, so every week we'd, you know, find a new place. I thought it was like analog Yelp. Exactly. Offline analog. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> on paper, literally. <laughs> paper Yelp. I remember for one of my uh, birthdays back then, I lived at, in Outer Noe. I, um, asked all my friends I had a dinner get together and I asked all my friends to come and bring a dish uh, of their ethnic origin awesome. and it was the best it was so cool it wasn't just dishes but you know like German beer yes. <laughs> alcohol and and uh, you know Iranian mm-hmm. delicious green dish I forget the name of it but it was delicious and I wouldn't ever get that anywhere i, I wouldn't even say, know to order no, it there's no restaurant <laughs> where you're like okay you and you and you and you it's, yeah right so we got to taste a different um a different dish from different cultures it was awesome yeah. let's hear about your move to oakland because um, like you said like you kind of set the stage about how it felt like a breakup or a divorce like you had you had come to really not only call it home, but like feel like it was home here. Yes. Well, I think if it wasn't for the affordability or unaffordability of wanting to live by myself, I probably would have stayed here. But I knew that I needed to live by myself. And so the only way to afford it was to move to Oakland. And I lived near MacArthur Bart. Uh, And so, um, you know, I love Oakland. Oakland's my city now. I mean, I don't have a place but in my heart, but I also love San Francisco. I mean, I lived in Oakland for 10 years mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, but I still come here, you know, I, my, my health insurance, my doctors and UCSF, mm-hmm. my dentist was here and, uh, <laughs> I take my car for service here in the city. So I still have a relationship mm-hmm. with San Francisco. And, and when I had a day job, I worked, uh, in, in Hayes Valley. Okay. Which, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Alamo Square. Um, well, maybe the best, since this is mostly about San Francisco, maybe I can start with how I started with music here. Yes. Um, so I lived on 9th and Lincoln, mm-hmm. and uh, there was uh, a cafe around the corner called Alan Monkey, mm-hmm. and uh, it's no longer there, but I just happened to walk in uh, just to, you know, hang out or whatever, and I had never heard of the word open mic before. And all of a sudden, all these musicians start coming here and coming there and start playing. And I said, what is this? And it was great. I got hooked. I kept going. It was every Monday night at the Allen Monkey. And um, I was extremely shy. And so I would just sit in my corner and not talk to anyone and just listen. And I thought, I want to do that. 
Um, Did you have any musical training or? Not training, but, um, you know, I grew up with my uncles playing guitar and, you know, just singing in the li- singing them singing and me listening to them sing in the living room because mm-hmm. I, I was more of a listener. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm one, I was one of those, you know, I just sing in the shower or in my car <laughs> driving somewhere. In perfect pitch, of course, <laughs> always. <laughs> always, right? So, but, but what really got me to want to do it was um, seeing all different ranges of talent. Uh, and it wasn't just about having the perfect voice or the perfect song. or It was just singing your heart out and expression. expression mm-hmm. And uh, there was this guy who, um, and I've mentioned this story before. I don't remember his name, but he was, you know, maybe older and... He would just sing his heart out to you. I mean, you could feel the emotion behind the song. And and I just, you know, he didn't have the best voice or he didn't play the best guitar, you know. But because of him, I think, I I said, I want to do that. So I I knew a a buddy of mine from college played guitar. So I said, hey, do you want to do this? So we did it, and, and we played, and I actually ended ended up dating this guy who was a blues guitarist. So he joined us, and mm-hmm. uh, so we just started doing it. And um, and I you just, and you were playing guitar in that group, or um, I I started playing guitar. I sucked at it at the time, <laughs> but I, I was like by I had to you know learn to pick up something. Mm-hmm. But my friends also played guitar, so they backed me up mostly. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and you were singing, or? and I was singing, okay. yeah, mostly singing. And then I just started, you know, writing songs. But then I got frustrated because I couldn't write fast enough. I couldn't play guitar, and hmm. um, so. And then I dated this uh, this blues guy, and then my heart was broken. And I just, you know, I said I don't want to do anything on my own. I'm just going to sing backup for this band. So I met this guy. I started going to the open mics at Hotel Utah. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, the host was uh, Hal Marcus, and so, and then he asked me to sing backup for him in his band. Okay. So it was great for me at the time. I just wanted to sing backup. I would just show up and sing, and I didn't have to bring any instruments. And so I did that for a while, and then I heard about Glide Church. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've been to a service there, but um, the the other singer that ended up singing with the Hal Marcus band said, Irene, you got to come join the choir. Okay. And I said, you know, I'm not really a church person, Mm -hmm. you know, but she said, just come for the music. Mm -hmm. And I went and I was just blown away. I thought, okay, now I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I learned about gospel music and it was amazing. And um, you didn't just learn about it. You were like immersed. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved sitting in the back because, you know, I wasn't just, I mean, I was supposed to stand in the front because I'm short, but I, you know, sitting in the middle or standing in the middle or in the back, you really are surrounded by these voices. And sometimes I just wanted to close my eyes and just listen. And it really, there were times where we were taken to another place. It really was amazing. And uh, so I did that for a number of years. And um, I also joined another band. It was a world music band. And uh, so I learned about rhythms from 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 the from that band Soulfire, and that was so much fun because that was about you know dancing and the music and Latin beats and African beats and you know, um, and I I've, I've taken an African dance class in college, so that was nothing new to me. But I was actually in the band mm-hmm. performing it, mm-hmm. so that was super fun.
That was Irene Espiritu. Join us again Thursday when Irene will talk more about her musical projects, including what she's up to while we're all forced to stay indoors. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography for this episode is by me, Jeff Hunt. I also host and produce the show. Our website is storiedsf.com, where you can browse more than 100 episodes, check out all of our live events, and visit our store to help support us. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. If that's Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do us a favor and rate and review what we do. And if you have any feedback or suggested guests, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.